You're listening to Market Scale Food and Beverage. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to speak with Kit Franklin. He's the Agricultural Engineering Lecturer at Harper Adams University. Kit, how are you today? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm a bit rushed off my feet. Uh, I've done a couple of phone interviews today already, so uh, yeah, um, manic here, but but good. We'll try to uh, help you ease into the weekend with this one. So let's take just a simple approach to this. Do me a favor. Give me just a brief history of your journey that had you wind up talking to me today. Okay, well, um, going right back to the start, I'm, um, I was born and brought up on a family farm, a small farm here in the UK, uh, growing cereal crops, so wheat and barley. Um, and then I, uh, I had an interest in engineering going through education and decided I wanted to become an agricultural engineer. I decided I wanted to become someone who would design and develop the next generation of agricultural machines, uh, which combined my background for, in agriculture with my enthusiasm for machines and all what they do. Um, so I ended up studying agricultural engineering and my remit was really interested in big, uh, heavy, shiny bits of machinery from my from the start. Uh, however, as I went through my studies uh, as an undergraduate and then master's student, I realized that maybe the way in which we were farming wasn't quite right, and maybe there was a better way to do it, um, and maybe that better way could involve some autonomy and, and a bit of uh, intelligent machines. Um, and that's led me down a path looking at agricultural automation and robotics. Um, and, and looking at what those things can do for us. Um, and what I like to call future farming systems. So anything, any way of, in which we could, might be able to produce food in the future um, that is developed from, or maybe an evolution or revolution from how we currently do that, uh, how we currently grow food. Um, and then most notably, that has led to a project called the, the Hands-Free Hectare, where we've used automated uh, farm machinery to grow a, a crop of uh, uh, spring barley uh, without ever going in the field. And, and that project has captured the enthusiasm of, of, of the world, frankly, and I ended up speaking to people from all over the place, and uh, you're the latest. It seems like a totally logical step. Um, farming is has largely traditionally been hurry up and wait. There are periods of frantic activity from the beginning of preparing the ground to the planting to the harvesting but there's an awful lot of time in between where you need to do other things being able to increase the efficiency of that uptime of that activity and freeing the human element to handle more time sensitive urgent matters that's a that's got to feel really good to have been able to accomplish that yeah so um at the moment if you're involved with field agriculture, you end up spending a big chunk of your time driving tractors and common harvesters up and down fields in straight lines, which uh, is not the most engaging activity after the first few hours. I'm talking as someone who spent a lot of time driving a tractor myself. Um, and after a while, driving in straight lines isn't the most engaging thing. And in terms of the value that you're adding to your business, because we have to remember that farming is a business after all, um, there's, there's far more uh, financially beneficial things you can be doing with your time, be it considering the health and well-being of your crop or looking at the markets, deciding when to buy product or sell your produce, 
those sorts of activities are far more critical to the to the viability of your business. Yet we spend an awful lot of time locked to a tractor seat uh, driving in straight lines. So if we can look to autonomy to be a solution to to maybe take the person away from that machine and give them more time to to monitor their crops and more time to look at the business aspect of farming, then you know potentially farming becomes a more profitable industry and a, a more sustainable uh, career path. And it sounds like a much more exponentially rewarding approach the larger the farm gets. For example, if you have a farm and you need, let's say you have uh, – you need 20 people to efficiently manage all of your day-to-day tasks. That's a, that's a pretty large operation. If I can, instead of hiring 19 other people and hoping they do what I ask them to do, if I can invest in three machines and I know they'll do exactly what they're programmed to do and nothing else, that has to give a, a real peace of mind to the farmer, to the head of the operation. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, definitely the case in things like uh, the dairy industry. So here in the UK and Western Europe, there's been a big uptake in robotic uh, milking machines. So where uh, you no longer have to bring all in the cattle into a, uh, the cows into a, a milking parlor and have, as you say, four or five members of staff on hand working with the animals at, um, you know, early in the morning and late at night. Instead, you have autonomous robotic milking machines that are there they uh they they pay a lot more attention to each animal they're they're harnessing uh, harvesting a lot of data from each animal they can start looking at, at well-being and output and that data can go back to the farm manager and they can start making uh decisions that in theory improve the business so not only are you um becoming less reliant on the labor but you're also potentially uh gaining more knowledge about your animals and, and productivity through that means as well. Having a few farmers in my family, I'm I'm quite aware of the sense of satisfaction that comes along with a completed harvest, especially if it's been, you know, successful and you have that sense of personal satisfaction that you achieve something aside from the financial concerns, you're really leading the the charge towards sustainable food production that has to kind of give your spirit a little bit of a boost as well because you know you're doing something that ultimately really matters it's not just about dollars and cents yeah no hundred uh, percent i mean the way i often start my conference talks when i go and talk to the various places is is by defining that what agriculture is and agriculture is the ability for the few to feed the many it's it's the ability for one percent to feed the 99 percent. if it wasn't for agriculture cities as we know them wouldn't exist and therefore nor would civilization as we know it exist so i think i think it's hard pushed to find any industry on the planet that is more important arguably than agriculture um so to be part of a uh development of that industry a, part, a revolution in that industry is, is is a great place to work and it's an immense amount of job satisfaction when we achieve new things uh, and push the boundaries there are so many aspects of this hands-free hectare that that just it really really grabbed my attention but i keep coming back to efficiency and just how important that is you have been able to put together a system that is extremely efficient in the way you 
water, in the way you fertilize, in the way that you use the land, that efficiency is it's stunning actually you're able to measure everything down to the smallest unit and that's something that is easily repeatable right yes i mean i mean we're not quite there yet we're not quite finished with this um but yeah the idea is a thing that we call precision farming and it's it's been talked about for the last 20 25 years and it's about saying right rather than treating a whole area of land a whole area of crop as though it was one uh, homogenous thing we have to go out there and we have to realize that there's there's variation within our crops and we have to treat that variation with variable inputs um, so we don't want to blanket apply chemicals and pesticides and fertilizer we want to put them exactly where they need to be so when you think about sustainability um, I'm not saying we don't use agrochemicals but I'm saying that we use them exactly where they need to be so if we only put the the fungicide we need onto the exact plant that needs it just like you would only give medicine to the to the patient that needs it, if we only give the fungicide to the plant that needs it, we can cut the fungicide requirement by 99% if we can get to technology that can do that. So, and the thing is, we're not going to be able to do that with the large machines we're currently using. So that's where what we've done with the hands-free hectare comes in because we're, we're looking at using smaller machines. So economies of scale have driven tractors and farm equipment to become ever bigger machines that can cover a lot more land in less time but that makes them very imprecise that means they're very inefficient and unsustainable because we inevitably put chemicals where they shouldn't be um, we waste them um, we often double apply chemicals where we have large booms and like very wide booms and very wide equipment that ends up covering the same area twice um, things like this so what we're saying is if we can go to small autonomous machines um, the reason that machines are really big is because we don't have very many people to drive them. So if they were autonomous, the machines could become smaller and we could have lots of them. Now, lots of small machines could be very, very precise and could do this 99% reduction in chemical usage. Um, when you think of the knock-on effects in terms of uh, hydrocarbons and uh, the, 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 the carbon release from the manufacture of ag chems, well, if you could reduce the, the, the requirement by 99%, well, you also reduce... The carbon released by 99% in the manufacture. So the knock-on is absolutely huge. Um, and it all comes from saying, right, can we farm in a fundamentally different way, a fundamentally more precise manner? And that's where these small machines running autonomously can really help. So not only are they uh, you know, replacing a person from a driver's seat, but they're also doing the job more efficiently. And there's an inverse relationship that's really interesting in that as the machines get smaller, the data needed to drive them becomes larger. The data set becomes larger. There's more information that you gather from sensors out in the field. Tell me a little bit about your approach from the IoT and, say, big data and AI. Tell me a little bit about the technical side of this. Okay, so I mean, the, the sorts of things we were talking about is uh, are things like um, weather data. So if I've got if I've got a big area of crop um, and I want to treat it in a precision way, well, one of the things that, that changes how I apply uh, fertilizer is the, the the availability of of nutrients within the soil. Now, I can go out and I can do a, a soil test in a field, but then if I've got a field that's uh, 
50 hectares is a very large field. Um, well, certainly for the UK, it's a very large field. Um, that tells me the, 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 the requirement in that one place, but that might not be the same everywhere. So with things like, yeah, IoT systems where we can start putting sensors and we can dot them around the field and have constant feedback and things yeah, like weather stations, weather data coming back to us, um, drone sensing. So using, using drones to uh, have for aerial imagery, but also imaging in things like uh, multispectral. So looking at infrared responses from crops and things like this can all drive the decision making. Um, and as you say, the more precise, the more accurate you want to get, the, the smaller uh, area that you want to treat as an individual, um, the, the greater the data and the greater the uh, computing power that you require to do that. So the challenge becomes a lot harder. Um, but also, I think, more exciting. Um, another thing that I'm trying to do with this, with the, with the work we're doing here is, is making agriculture exciting and interesting. Um, there's a real problem, certainly here in the UK, about getting people into the world of agriculture because they think it's boring and stagnant and not moving forward. Everyone wants to move to the city where exciting things happen. Well, actually, I can tell you that the data and the computing power and technology that's being used on farm is is rapidly growing and the jobs are going to become hopefully more interesting and uh, more appealing to the generations that are coming through. I'm just going to go ahead and volunteer right now, Kit. If you need someone to come and, you know, fly a drone around and inspect crops, mm -hmm. I'm your guy. I I will come right over there and do that. I love uh, the opportunity to come and fly one of those drones. As a As a thought leader in the industry, what sort of procedures or processes do you see a year from now, two years from now, that will really start to help this industry embrace this new approach? Okay, so things like drones have came onto the scene a few years ago. And um, if you know the, the Ghana hype cycle of well and truly dropped off the, the, the peak of hype, where lots of people thought that drones were going to be the answer to all of their problems. And then suddenly they find that they're not, they're not quite um, ready to go. But there are still people working on these systems and developing them. And in the next one or two years, I think you'll really get a maturing market in the drone work where you'll actually get useful information coming from the sensors that they've got. So where three or four years ago, people were flying drones with clever sensors on them, but the, the information coming back from the sensors hadn't been, hadn't been uh, correlated and hadn't really been scientifically proven. Whereas now that's starting to come into fruition in the next couple of years. Uh, that sort of technology will really help farmers on the ground. They will be using drones to make decisions and that'll be helping them out. Um, if you look to the next five or six years, you'll start to see driverless machines operating out in the fields. And that's uh, really being driven from now. You know, obviously I'm sat here and we've, we've fully grown and harvested a crop with only using robots. Uh, but obviously that's very much in a sort of academic sense. Um, but there are commercial companies out there. Uh, there's, there's Kabuta in Japan. There's a company called Seedot Run in Canada. Uh, another one called Swarm Farm in Australia. All of these companies are, are bringing out autonomous robotic machines that are going to be commercially uh, uh, available to farmers in the next in the next year to eighteen months. So um, it's not going to happen overnight. But you'll start to see autonomous tractors driving themselves around and machines in the next four or five years. So that's going to really change the landscape of, uh, of farming. 
Let me ask you this question then. If you grew up on a farm, that means that your dad was a man of the land. What uh, kind of opinions do you think your current technological advances, how do you think that would play out around the family table? Um, it's very interesting, actually. So I spend my life talking to very forward-thinking farmers um, and a very forward-thinking industry that wants to take on all of my ideas and uh, and can see that in the future this is this is the way we need to do things. Um, however, yeah, my family are, are maybe a bit different. They they all like what I do. They're all very on board with what I do, but maybe uh, they're less of the um, they're they're not the the early adopters, should we say? So they 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 want to see me prove it before they're 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 investing themselves. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you a piece of advice right here that I think could really help get them on board. Just let them fly the drone. <laughs> Just give them the remote. Let them fly a drone for a little bit. They'll be hooked. Yeah, well, this is exactly it. This is exactly my point. As soon as you get someone controlling a robot tractor, yeah, they get it. They get it. Why, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable. It's interesting. It's challenging. Um, it's everything you could want from a career. You've actually been able to bring a farming simulation out into the real world. That's quite the accomplishment, Kit. Today, I've been able to talk to Kit Franklin, the agricultural engineering lecturer for Harper Adams University and one of the founders of the Hands-Free Hectare Project. Kit, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, that's no worries. It's uh, great to talk to someone and say, keep telling the world about uh, what is a, a world-first project, but hopefully something that everyone will be able to relate to in the next few years. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.